Yo, what up? It's your boy, Cool Shep. This podcast is brought to you by my boy, Joey T and Tyrese Maxi. But right now, you know, we just maxing on the courts, hailing from the streets of South Philly. Sometimes it gets a little hectic out there. But right now, we go up you on how we just chill. Hey, what is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Trust the Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Tootin, as always. And joining me today, once again, are a pair of my fellow Penn Staters, Darian Capabianco and Chris Reynolds are back. What's going on, guys? Thanks for joining me once again. No problem. Glad to be back. Fun, interesting offseason. Obviously, a pleasure to be back. Let's get it. Absolutely. We're getting into free agency because I was away in California for 10 days when all this nonsense was going down. And then when I got back, you know, we were kind of talking about doing this podcast, but we wanted to let the Durant situation kind of fizzle out so we could talk about that. But now it looks like that's just going to go nowhere. So now's the time. Now's the time to get our free agency podcast out of the way because I haven't really gotten to talk to anybody on the pod about any of these moves. So I guess we can start with Durant. So obviously he puts in the trade request. And, you know, everyone's freaking out about the Nets. Is Kyrie going to the Lakers to reunite with LeBron? Is the Suns going to trade every draft pick till I'm 60 years old for Durant? Like, what's going to happen? But now it looks like teams don't really want to trade up, trade all their assets long term for a guy who's in his mid-30s, coming off a couple injuries, and makes a lot of money. So when you look at Kevin Durant's situation, I guess first, do you guys think – he'll get traded eventually or is the he'll stay with Brooklyn? And also just like, what do you think of the overall scenario? I think he's just going to end up staying just because I think they're asking for way too much for him. Like I know it's KD, but at the same time, like you can't ask for that much for a guy who's like 33. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a guy not named LeBron. That's 33. Right. So I, I don't know. I feel like it's just going to, fizzle out at the end and he's just going to end up staying with Brooklyn unless some team randomly wants to give them a huge overhaul of picks and players but I really doubt that happens yeah what about you Chris what do you think I think he stays at least the year and I think the Nets learn from the Sixers you don't have to trade someone just because they want to leave because 76ers wait on Ben Simmons they got a decent amount for him uh I think also I don't think it's more so the age and the injuries I think it's also the fact that why would a team want to trade for Kevin Durant when he might just not like it and then want to leave after a year. Like he is not the most reliable guy that if you trade for, you know, he's going to stay like Kyrie. I feel like also would just not play a year for the Nets. I don't think Kevin Durant would be the guy that would like hold out and not play. So I think the Nets are just going to keep him until if they get an offer, they can't refuse them. They'll take it. But I don't think they really feel the need to trade him. Yeah. Right. Because that's the thing. Durant, yeah, I feel like this whole Nets era, which is, I guess, maybe it's not over yet, but it's kind of crumbling in on itself. This was kind of supposed to be Durant's, like, I can do it without Curry. I can win a title on my own, like I was supposed to with the Thunder. And, like, I'm not even necessarily going to hold those Warriors championships against him, but at the end of the day, we all know that he wasn't the clear-cut number one. He was sharing that role with Curry. And the Nets, it felt like he was supposed to build this new thing, so – for him to take an entire year off, whether he wants to be there or not, is just wasting a year at this point. Because he really, like, if he wants to get into that, like, top 10 all-time group, I don't know if he thinks about that stuff. The way he tweets on the internet, I feel like he thinks about all this kind of stuff. But I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. But I feel like that that matters to him. And I don't see him being a Ben Simmons 
and taking the year off and holding out because he's a little upset. Do you guys agree? Yeah, I don't think he would hold out. I think maybe they won't trade him this year, like Chris said, but they could end up trading him next year. I, I don't think you have to rush anything at all if you're the Nets. And, I mean, KD, obviously, I think – like, we know he wants out, but I think he'd be willing to play at the same time. So, it's really just a kind of a wait-and-see situation. Don't run it. Don't rush anything. Just let it play out. Right, because – just when you look at this, and some people have compared to when the Lakers were like Kobe wanted out of the Lakers post-Shaq era and they held on to him. You know, Durant's older than Kobe was at that point. But if you're the Nets, if you trade Durant, like what do you get? Where are you going? Like you're back to another big rebuild like like they were uh, post, post that Paul Pierce trade when that backfired. And it took them like five years to get back on track when Durant came. Don't you guys think like the Nets really – gave Durant and Kyrie everything they wanted with all the different moves they made. And at the end of the day, Durant's really only played two seasons there. One of them, they went to game seven in overtime with the eventual champs. And then year two, there's just a bunch of injuries and COVID-related issues with Kyrie. I feel like whatever Durant's issues are, I don't know, in my opinion, they seem a little ridiculous. What do, what do you guys say to that? I I think them signing DeAndre Jordan for $10 million just shows that they did anything for those two guys. Uh, I mean, I don't know what they could, the Nets could have done differently to make them happy. They fired their coach. They had to build this whole cultural culture that they destroyed for them. And they said, okay, we're going to do everything for these guys. They paid both of them the first year with, with Kyrie barely playing. And they paid Kevin 30 million to not play because he was injured. They've done everything for those guys. Kyrie has definitely not helped them. Kevin gave them two good years, but he was injured for uh, some of it, but. I don't know what they could have done differently. And I think at this point they just want to change the scenery, but I think here's what the the Nets have been through the worst like rebuild ever where they had none of their own picks and they stunk. Yeah. They went down there. I think they're going to do it again. They want like actual pieces though for Kevin Durant. They want pieces to build around. Like, you know, Paul George, they got Shea Gillis, Alexander, the Thunder did. They're looking for something like that. I think where they actually have things more than picks. I just think that they did everything they could for these superstars and they traded for James Harden and trade their future. They have no benefit to tank next year or the year after because they have no picks. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the Nets have done differently to make them happy. I completely agree. I mean, they, they got all the right pieces together for them. It just kind of felt like the stars never aligned. And, you know, there was always some sort of issue that caused them not to do as well as they should have. So I don't know. It, they definitely had the right pieces, but I don't know. Maybe maybe you go back and try and get um, more for KD and see what you can do with that. But it's looking like it's going to go towards an eventual rebuild either way. Yeah, I, I think I agree because you know you mentioned earlier, Darian. Like you 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 think they might hold on hold off on the trade until they can get what they're looking for, just like how the Sixers waited to get Harden out of the Ben situation, something similar to that. Because at the end of the day. Like we can, we kind of touched on this earlier, but what the Nets have reportedly been asking for for Dur- for Duran, if those uh, rumors are true, is insane. Like they asked Minnesota for Edwards and Towns, they asked for Booker from Phoenix. So at the end of the day, the Nets, as great as Duran is, like what do you guys think the eventual package, if it happens, could be? Like, do you have a prediction? Like what? At a certain point, it has to. Like, they can't just get nothing for him. But at the same time, five first-round picks and an all-star seems like a lot. And it doesn't seem like they're going to get it. I definitely think an all-star is going to be included in some capacity. 
and as well as I think at least two first round picks will be included, you know, for future first round picks. Mm-hmm. I think that's the base of the package at minimum of what they should get, especially if they wait a year. Yeah, and th- I feel like that would be fair because an all-star at the end of the day, unless it's one of those top-tier MVP guys like an Embiid or a Luka or a Giannis, whatever, you know, if it's if it's a, a top 25 player, an all-star like that, that's, that would be fair. Like, to trade five first-round picks for a guy in their mid-30s, I wouldn't do it as, as a GM. But, you know, we've seen Sean Marks pull off big trades before, big signings before, obviously, with Durant and Kyrie. Yeah, I, I think he's going to eventually get some bang for his buck. What, what, what would you say, Chris? Uh, I think the Gobert trade really ruined my perception of what a guy's That's worth. Because that, <laughs> if, if Gobert went for like three picks and like those guys, then I'd be like, okay, Kevin could go for five. But if Gobert goes for five, Kevin's going for 10. So, you know, right. that's all this stuff. But I think uh, you need like a young guy. Like, you know, the, I think like a Paul George like deal where it's a young piece to build around that could be like a starter with picks. That way you get yeah. something you know is good and then stuff to build with. I think that maybe like one more good piece, but I think the best thing that package that they could realistically get is like the Celtics, maybe trade Jalen Brown with picks. If I'm the Celtics, it's a tough one because you built this whole team. If you get Kevin, I think they're the favorites next year, but in three years, I think it's kind of going away. So I think something like that, where it's a young guy like a Jalen Brown, I mean, Devin Booker, I think is too like valuable, but something like a younger star like that with picks, I think is the way to go with maybe like something a little bit extra than what they got for Paul George. I mean, yeah, sounds good to me. I guess the thing is we just, I mean, you say the Celtics, I don't personally see the Celtics messing with that team. Just think they're so deep. Like I wouldn't want to mess with that core when they can very much, they're very much in the title picture. People said, oh, the Grizzlies, look how much assets the Grizzlies have. But if you believe what people have been reporting, like the Grizzlies would rather just keep their eight guys and try to win the West and not sacrifice that depth. That was my argument for the Sixers. Now, then I, w- then I remembered like we have no picks because we traded for Harden. So really we have no avenue to even do a Durant deal. And I'm, I'm kind of happy about that. I know some Sixers fans would disagree, but yeah, I, I, I guess it just, it boils down to who would be desperate or brave enough, depending on how you see it to, to do that trade. I think the Suns are the best bet because of Chris Paul being old. I think that's the route. Cause I don't think, I mean, they're losing Aiton probably to the Pacers. I don't, I think Mikel Bridges is good, but he can't score some games. So I think it has to be a team like that where they're good now, but with Paul aging, you need one piece. If I was the Suns, that'd be, I think, the best team that's in the position to do it. I could definitely see the Suns as well. I also think the uh, the Trailblazers. I, I know it was Nurkic and, and Dame posted on their IG stories, uh, you know, swaps of him in a Blazers uniform. And I think that would be a good fit for him around Dame. I don't know. We'll see if they're willing to do it. I, I really love that idea. Because I, I, I think I was even pointing that out on Twitter a couple of weeks back. I, I, because Dame was staying. I think him and KD together, they're on the same timeline. I think Portland hasn't fully embraced the rebuild, so they wouldn't be scared to trade a Shade and Sharp. Like he hasn't even played a game yet. Someone like that. Even Simons, you know, they got Josh Hart. He can just slide into the two instead of the three. If they wanted to do a trade center around those guys and some picks. But the thing is, yeah, like, does Durant want to go to Portland? But at the same time, he's he's got he's under contract for four years. So how much leverage does he really have? I guess is a point, like a question people can bring up, right? I you would think he has none, but I think we've learned that contracts mean nothing. 
a guy True. Ben Simmons signs a contract extension or whatever his new contract five years and he's gone right before it kicks in. Westbrook signed the Supermax and he left before that even got kicked in. So I really don't think contracts mean much. I think like Bradley Beal signed a new contract and I think that's only so that he can get more money and then he's going to ask for a trade. Uh, Portland's weird because I don't know what pieces they have to give up because they just signed Anthony Simons and Jeremy Grant or they just traded for him so they can't trade them again. Um, so they're not going to trade Dame. They might, I don't think they trade Nurkic either. So Portland, I don't know if they're going to trade for Durant. I think if they had the pieces, they would, I just don't think they do maybe picks, but you know, the Nets need actual pieces back, like known commodities and, uh, leverage I think has meant nothing as the years have gone on with Kyrie Westbrook and all these Ben Simmons guys that just Mm -hmm. won't play. I don't know. I would say the Sixers had the leverage in the Ben situation, but I guess that's a topic for another day. Just to wrap up this discussion. Before we move on, I just wanted to circle back to the Suns because you mentioned the Suns and Aiton, and we can also kind of tie in the Aiton thing here. So my thing is, so if Aiton is going to Indy, I don't see the Suns having a package for Durant because they're not going to include Booker, nor do I think they should. So like, it can't just be Mikhail Bridges and picks. Like, it's just not enough. Maybe do they include Chris Paul? <laughs> but like Maybe. But if you lose Chris Paul. I don't know then, though. Yeah. You know, like if you lose Chris Paul, then you're losing a really important part of the offense. I don't think that they is true. want Chris Paul in a nice way. Like they don't want this yeah. old guy. You know, they want like a younger well, piece. I, if they trade Kyrie for Westbrook, I, I don't know if that rings true, but that's probably not gonna happen. And that's true. not doing that. I can guarantee you that right now. I don't think any team wants Westbrook right now. Um seems like it. I think yeah, good point with eight and if they let him walk, that's just like a good, valuable trade asset that there's not going to get back. And he's a restricted free agent, so they can get him back if they want. So I was, some Pacers fans were yelling at me on Twitter last weekend because I pointed out, like, why didn't the Pacers just – why didn't the Pacers try to mess with the Suns and just give Aiton this max offer sheet? And then the Pacers fans were saying, oh, we don't have the cap space till Saturday after the Brogdon tr- trade clears. I was like, oh, I didn't realize that. But then, like, we're here on Monday night. And Aiton's not on the Pacers yet. So clearly there's more to it than that. But, like, if the Pacers came in and offered Aiton a deal and he signed it, like, all of a sudden the net, the Suns have to make a decision and they can't trade him to the Nets. So, like, does my thing is, like, does Aiton want to be a net? Like, does he want to facilitate the trade? Like, I don't know. I'm kind of confused about the Aiton thing. Like, oh, Indiana wants him. And then it's like, oh, no movement has been done in days. And he's, like, a young center. Then the Suns won't match it. I'm alarmed at the fact that the talks have slowed down to a crawl. Um, it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's not really often you see a player, a young player like this, just, you know, talks fizzle between both sides. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Right. right. Yeah, I, I I, honestly don't even know what to say about it. Because, like, he's just – he proved his value last year in the playoffs. He wasn't that bad this year in the playoffs. Like, he, he, he didn't do great, but the whole team kind of choked. I don't know. Like, who are the Suns replacing with? Bismack? Like, I like Bismack. He's doing good stuff. In the NBA, he's not doing much. <laughs> One about Aiton is that they needed guys like Aiton against Giannis. If they had another backup center, they'd probably beat the Bucks, but they didn't. So, like, they definitely needed Aiton. It was all just weird where it was, like, the Suns melted down drastically. So, I don't know if teams are, like, what's in that kid's psychological thoughts? Like, does he want to play, blah, blah, blah. I think it's one of the most interesting things is when the Suns collapse, I've heard like nothing about it. And considering in this NBA, everyone knows every conversation that's ever happened between people. It's kind of weird that like not a lot's been reported about that. I also love the Pacers. If they get Aiton, 
Tyrese Halliburton, like, I, oh, oh yeah. and then they lost TJ Warren, but like he wasn't, he didn't play last year, right? So nah, he hasn't played at all in a while. Well, he's on, uh, who did he sign with? Nets. Right, right. That's it. Also, say that. like, the Nets, oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, the Nets team isn't even that bad if Durant stays. Like, they they traded the first round pick for Royce O'Neal, which is basically yeah. saying, like, that was, we're not yeah, that was, that was interesting. Well, but like, if Durant stays, like, Royce O'Neal can help because their defense was terrible. Like, uh, he he's at least competent, and you know you got Joe Harris and Seth Curry to make threes. Patty Mills is back. Nick Claxton's back. Uh, we just said T.J. Warren. If he gets healthy, we know he can score. Like they're deep. Like they lost Bruce Brown, which I, you know, that and was, they lost Drummond. Yeah, but I guess they're hoping Claxton can just play more. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, all I gotta say about the Nets is like they're gonna they're gonna be a force in the East if Durant and Kyrie stay. It's just. Is the behind-the-scenes stuff going to submarine that situation? I guess we'll have to see. Kyrie is more interesting to me than Kevin because I feel like Kevin plays. I think Kyrie can hold out. Like Kyrie's the type to just not yeah. play. Yeah, I could see that. Sure. He literally did it last year. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so moving on from Durant, who it, – it's funny because we might have just spent a half hour talking about Durant. He's just going to play the whole season on the Nets. But anyway, so there's some other All-Stars that have been actually traded – and, you know, we can start – we'll start with Gobert. We'll start with Gobert. I did a little thing at the top of my podcast before I finished my top 100. I did like a five-minute thing. But I want to get you guys' take on the Gobert trade. I already said my piece, but I'll just reiterate, you know, I think he'll help Minnesota get better, help their rim protection, help their defense in the regular season especially. But with his salary combined with trading all those picks and all those players, I thought it was way too much for a guy I don't think – turns them into a top, even a Western Conference Finals team. So that's my take on it. What was your guys' opinion on that trade? I definitely agree with that. I think it was a little too much for a guy you don't really need. Like you have a top three center. I'll call him a top three center, Carl Anthony Towns. And you just paid him, what, a super max, right? Yes. So why are you trading for another all-star center? Like that doesn't make sense to me. And at the same time, you also give up, up so much for him, like some of your like key depth pieces, some young guys, some picks. Like that's a lot for a guy who also now has an insane salary to go along with Carl Anthony Towns' already insane salary. So now the question is like, how do you even play them together? Like, do you slide one of them to a four and play them both at the same time? Yeah. I don't know. It, it, honestly, I didn't see it making sense when I saw the notification. I was like, what? Like, it just yeah. was weird to me. It's definitely a bizarre move. I won't say that I would have done it if I was somehow an NBA GM. I wouldn't have done the trade if I was the Wolves, obviously. Not just just for the fit alone, forget the picks. Like, but at the same time, I will defend it a little. Like, I wouldn't have done it personally. I wouldn't have wanted to have two centers making so much money. But I think what we saw with Cleveland with Mobley and Allen, what we saw with Boston with Horford. And Rob Williams, even Orlando with Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba, if you want to get really uh, deep there. But with those first two teams especially, I think they proved that you can have two bigs as long as they complement one another. Like Towns is an offensive juggernaut. Defense and foul control, little questionable. Gobert, not much he does besides putbacks and alley-oops on offense. But, you know, he led the league in rebounds, an elite rim presence, elite defender at the center position. I don't think he's an elite defender in the playoffs because I don't think he can guard anyone besides post-centric centers or people driving to the lane. But 
this does make the Wolves better. I think they're going to be a perennial 50-win team for the next at least three years. But at the same time, no, I, I would not have – what I would have done is try to trade Russell for a wing scorer is what I would have done. I think that was the next step for this team. And I think they're going to regret this long term. But at the same time, it does make them better. But in my opinion, they could have done something that made them even way better. That's just – that's my take. But I do think the fit can work at least somewhat. Chris, I know I you're think, dying to jump in here. So. I think the regular season, I could see it working. But we see Gobert get played off the court in the postseason. We see that Towns doesn't know how to not foul in the stupid situation in the postseason. So I don't understand how both of them are going to play together in the postseason. I think Gobert is – I'm like, all right, now they have the interior paint defense. That's a good trade. Then I found out all the picks they gave up. And I'm like, they won their play-in game but then lost in the first round last year. If they lost in the conference finals and then got Gobert, I'm all for it. Right. But this is not going to make the. – I'd still rather take the Mavs or the Warriors or the probably the Suns. I don't know about the Suns. I, I like, would take, like, six teams if I'm being honest. I don't want to get into a whole, like, next season predictions, but, yeah, like, I yeah, would take – I'd take at least four teams over the Timberwolves in the West next year. So it's like right. – the only reason to give up your whole future for a guy is if it's going to guarantee you a chance to win the title. And I don't think any person is going to go into next season picking the Timberwolves to win. And Rudy Gobert saying he's on the Timberwolves to win the championship. You're not LeBron, okay? You don't go to a team and make them a title contender. You're not that guy. So I don't understand why he thinks that they're going to be a title. Like, I don't know. I think they're, none of them are aware of like what they're actually going to be able to do. Well, here's my – I'll defend – Like, I'm not going to – I don't like Rudy either, but like, I'm not going to get mad at him for saying, like, oh, we're going to win a title. Whatever. Everybody says that. But here's the thing. Yeah. Like, I just don't see – why would you trade what amounts to six first-round picks? Because it's – I think it's three normal picks, two swaps mm-hmm. that likely – unless Utah, like, just turns around super fast, those swaps are going to come into effect. Plus the guy they just drafted, Walker Kessler. So he hasn't played mm-hmm. yet. I'm counting him as a sixth first-round pick. Malik Beasley, who two years ago averaged 19 a game and last year was their best scorer off the bench. Pat Beverly, their best defensive guard. Guy I would love on the Sixers, by the way. Hopefully he gets bought out. But anyway, Vanderbilt, who I would say was their best rebounder. Yes, Go Bears, probably a better rebounder, but we're talking like small things. And then Balmaro, I have nothing to say about him. Balmaro, play 20 minutes a game. I'll have an opinion on you, just saying. But all the same, that's so much for a guy that I don't think transforms the team that much at all. Like... If you're trading six first round picks, it's Kevin Durant, like we were talking about. Like that, I would do that for Kevin Durant. Not if I was a Sixers, but if I was like a desperate team, I would do it. And to me, Rudy Gobert is a defensive specialist who, in the playoffs, isn't even a defensive specialist anymore. So that's my that's just my opinion. Honestly, for this overhaul that they sent, why didn't they just give a similar package for KD? Right? Wouldn't that have made Honestly. more sense? Yeah, yeah. I don't I mean, know. Could have put D D'Angelo Russell in there instead. Yeah, like they give something. Well, even even the same package and keep D'Lo. I would be a lot yeah. more scared of D'Lo, KD, and Cat than I am of Gobert and Cat. I mean, I think the Nets wanted to do it, but the Timberwolves said no to Jaden McDaniels, so they they had to they had to turn him down. I don't think that's true. I know our guy. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm, joking. Okay. I'm just blessing okay. the rules. I know our guy like, Bill was talking about that. Yeah. I think like <laughs> the Timberwolves were like, no, did, oh, we kept Jaden McDaniels. Yeah. I'm like, who? The guy in two K? That's like the tenth slot down. Really? <laughs> He's Peter Vanderbilt's backup. That's what I know him as. I mean, he might yeah. be turn out to be pretty good, but yeah, that was just a joke. But 
I don't know. The Timberwolves annoyed me with the whole situation. I don't think any person came out of this thinking, yeah, the Timberwolves won that trade. I think people here thought it's either maybe worth it or the Jazz won, which is never a good sign. Like, right. people understand how they had to give up that much. The Wolves trading for Gobert kind of feels like if the Chiefs traded for George Kittle. Like, yeah. you already have <laughs> Travis Kelsey. That's a good Like, that's a good okay, cool. But, like, why? I don't know. That's just yeah. a thought that popped into my mind. That's, that's, that that's, a, that's a good take. That's a good take. I like that. I respect I that one. I would just say real fast. I don't want to talk about Utah too much because no one really cares. But I, I care for some reason. No one cares I about Utah. Think, I would trade the. I would trade Mitchell because yes, when you look at the roster, you know you got Conley. Maybe he's not the same guy he was two years ago, but Conley, Beverly, Vanderbilt. You know Beasley, like I said two years ago, is a twenty-point scorer. He's he's at least an offensive threat. Bogdanovich, and you know, and I guess Walker Kessler's their center. You know, maybe you can sign a veteran center to be the starter. When you look at that, that's definitely a ten seed. I think I think that's a playing team if Mitchell plays up to par. But I would rather trade Mitchell and rebuild than be a playing team. I would. I, this is a good segue to Dejounte Murray, but I would do what the Spurs did with Murray and choose to rebuild over being a play-in team, an eight seed for years to come, if I was the Jazz. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but I just think you you tr- you get picks to get a guy like Donovan Mitchell. I just want to trade one of those guys, but I think there's a world where the Jazz are, have a similar record to the Timberwolves, and I just think that's funny, the fact that after that trade. That would be really funny. I just, I just see that. That would be kind of hilarious. <laughs> I don't, I don't think really it's really the Jazz are better. I'm all there. I don't think the Wolves – I think the Wolves would definitely be better than the Jazz. I just don't think that the trade was worth it because at the end of the day, like, I don't think they're going to win a title anytime soon with this trade. So, But I don't think they'll be worse than Utah or as good as Utah. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Though. We'll see how – we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm excited to monitor how this plays out. I can already see Minnesota fans. You know, I hate the Vikings fans. And I got yes. nothing against the Wolves, but I the, the Vikings fans love talking themselves into stuff that won't actually happen. So if the Wolves fans are the same way, I can totally see them, you know, becoming Go Bear stands overnight and telling us about his defensive efficiency, just like all the Utah people have been for years. We'll see what happens. I'm sure Utah fans will be a lot happier with Go Bear out of their lives. And they won't have to. It's kind of like Darian, us with Ben Simmons. Like how many years? Were I we guess like, so. Yeah, we lost in the playoffs in the second round again, but like Ben's the defensive player of the year, yet he can't shoot. Yeah, but he's yeah. So good. That's a good point. <laughs> That's kind of like Gobert. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, we got bombarded by three pointers by the Rockets again, but you know, Go Gobert, he was the defensive player of the year, and he he's a deterrence in the paint. He he's a great player. So yeah, I think the Jazz fans will be happy. Jalen Brunson scored forty on him in the paint, but you know he's still a great paint right. defender. <laughs> right, right. It's like yeah, is exactly. he? Now, speaking of good defenders, the other big trade that I know Darian was saying before he wanted to talk about was the DeJounte Murray deal where, you know, obviously Atlanta dealt, I believe it was three first-round picks, Gallo, who got waived by the Spurs immediately, and then the Hawks got DeJounte Murray back to pair with Trey Young. You know, Hawks are in the sick, are in the East with the Sixers, played us in the Eastern Finals, or they beat us to go to the Eastern Finals two years ago. You know, last year was a little disappointing, but now they get an all-star, a second all-star to pair with Trey. So what do you guys think of this deal? And do you think the Hawks are a threat in the East at all? Or do you think they're kind of just going to be a lower seed again? I think for sure the Hawks are going to be a threat in the East this coming year. I think they kind of finesse 
their way into having one of the better teams now. Like, if you look at these trades, so the, the DeJounte Murray trade, they traded three picks in Gallo, who, you know, just left immediately. So, basically, yeah, basically he was going to leave anyway. So you basically just traded three picks for, for Murray. And then they also traded Kevin Huerter for Justin Holiday, Mo Harkless, and a, and a first. So you basically just traded two first-round picks and Kevin Huerter for Justin Holiday, Mo Harkless, and DeJounte Murray. I think that's, like, that that's the ultimate there. finesse right there. That's yeah. insane. Justin Holiday is not bad. Like, no. He's, he's a Neither is Mo Harkless. Player. Obviously, DeJounte Murray just had a, an all-star season, and he's really young. Yeah. I, I agree. Chris, Chris, you go first, because I have, I have a lot of thoughts on this trade that, even though it might not be an NBA championship deciding trade, I think it's really interesting. Yeah. It's weird. I really think I'm like, wow, great trade for the Hawks. They needed another, they needed a defensive guard alongside Trey because Trey can't play defense really. But I love DeJounte Murray, but in my eyes, it's like, are they now one of the top teams in the East? I don't think so. I think, I think if they play the Heat again, I think the Heat still win. I don't think it moves much for me in the East. I think they're now just guaranteed a playoff spot, maybe more than just a playing game, but. I don't know. I, I think it was a great trade for the Hawks. I just don't think it's going to really change much from last year till this year. I don't think they're touching Boston. I don't think they're touching the Bucks. I'd like to think they don't touch the Sixers, but you know, we always manage to mess mm. things up. I do like what we've done in the offseason, but but then you know, Miami, I, I do think Miami's really good, but I think DeJounte, if if this goes according to plan, does give them an element where all of a sudden, they're just as deep as the Heat. They're deeper than the Raptors now. They're they're uh, who's the other team? The Bulls, I think, are they're about even with the Bulls. If they get a full, here's the thing with the Bulls: if they get full seasons out of Caruso and Lonzo, they're going to be a threat. But their for health sure. is a question mark because it's it, it was, it's been like that, especially for Lonzo. But I do think the Hawks, like you said, definitely a playoff team now. I'm interested what you guys think about the fit of DeJounte and Trey though, because I think defensively it's going to be a huge upgrade, obviously for helps Trey out a lot, but we saw DeJounte have to be, he was like the guy for the Spurs. He always had the ball in his hand. He had all the assists. He was driving to the lane. He's not really a, an off ball shooter that much. So you guys think Trey will, you know, lower that 40% usage rate and maybe, you know, play more off ball, maybe take more uh, catch and shoot three, stuff like that to kind of make that fit work. I think it is going to work actually really well because Trey has always been the main focus defensively for other teams. Mm -hmm. You know, there's really not anyone else that's ever been a threat besides Trey. So you focus all your energy on Trey. Now you have DeJounte Murray in there who can do something with the ball. Mm -hmm. So he's also a threat. So you have to kind of guard both of them now, which allows Trey to get more open. And, you know, obviously the off ball and DeJounte Murray, we know is already a great passer. So, I think it fits perfectly. And then you also get some added defense and he's still really young. I think this is a great fit. And I think we're really going to get to see one of Trey's best years this upcoming year, just because of how much he's, how much he's going to be opened just, just from Murray being on the floor. Just, just to pose it back to you. I, I agree with you. If it all goes to plan, but do you think Trey would accept that? Do you think this is kind of like the Russell Westbrook challenge almost like, are you going to sacrifice some touches to make the team better and also make yourself a little better as well? Do you think he will do that? I think if he does, they'll be really good, but do you think he will? 
I think Trey will. And we always, I, I mean, I've always heard comparisons of, of Trey to Steph Curry. So maybe we'll actually get to see those comparisons come yeah. more to life this upcoming season. For but sure. I think, I think he will definitely be willing to sacrifice some touches because he's going to ultimately get even better from not having touches, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree. Chris, what do you think? I think the fit in general is going to work well. I just don't know if we're title. I think for most title teams, you always have that one elite, like wing forward guy, the one elite guard. I don't think a lot of like two guards wins a lot of championships. Like the Suns, I think did it the best with Booker and Paul, but you know, that doesn't work when if Chris Paul wanted 20 shots and Booker wanted 20 shots, you know, Chris Paul had to be the guy that's just more of a passer. DeJounte can at least rebound really well for a guard. And then they could both pass too, but, I think Trey's going to – I mean, Darian was talking about like Steph Curry. Steph Curry's not really a point guard. Steph Curry just runs around off the ball so well where when he touches the ball, he could shoot or pass it, but he's not dribbling that ball. You know, it's not Harden or anything like that. It's the exact opposite. So I think mm-hmm. Trey can do something like that. Murray can do that too. I think Murray can shoot, but I don't see him, you know, off the ball shooting threes, you know. So I yeah. think it's going to be a little weird on offense, but I think on defense is where it's going to be a major upgrade. But I think when you have two guards like that, one of them is going to have to take more of a Chris Paul role, like more of a facilitator role. Like, you know, Harden and Maxi, where Harden's not really scoring as much as he was, but more so like, the, like him and Kyrie and the Nets. Harden was only really passing. Kyrie was really the two. I think something like that in offense is the best way to go. But Trey's just so gifted as a shooter. And like, I don't see either one of them really stepping back. So I think it's clunky on offense, but still going to be a good team. Still an upgrade. Definitely worth the pick, the trade. Yeah, and I think Darian, you mentioned this a bit earlier. If Trey does make the sacrifice, I'm not. I'm by the way, I'm not trying to say he won't. I was just kind of posing the the hypothetical. If he does, the playmaking of him and Dejounte together, because these are both guys who've been nine assist guys, and you know maybe it's because they're getting all the touches, but at the same time they at least are above average playmakers. They've proven, especially Trey. I think so. I think the ball movement on this team, if everyone buys in, could be really interesting. And that's true. And I think everyone everyone needs to buy in, yeah. especially those two guards in particular need to buy in. And I think they will once they realize, mm-hmm. oh, hey, this can be dangerous. Right, right. I do too. And you mentioned, you know, people are probably like, who cares about the Herder trade? Herder's better than Holiday. That's a weird trade. Well, like, one, they get the first, but I thought the Bogdanovich and Herder, they're kind of the same guy. And now that you have DeJounte stepping into that starting lineup, Bogdan can just become like a really good six-man scorer, I think. Mm. And you bring in Holiday. That's a good point. Yeah, you bring in Holiday to to add some perimeter defense. DeAndre Hunter, if he stays healthy, is a good defender. Clint Capella two years ago was really good, took a step back, but we'll see if he can get back into things this year. And then I think the last piece for this trade, or last piece for this team, is maybe a John Collins trade, a long-rumored John Collins trade, they have a Kung Wu waiting to come in off the bench. He, he, he's been pretty good in the minutes he's been given as a starter. You trade Collins for maybe like what you were saying, Chris, someone who can play that perimeter, that three spot. This team could be really good. I don't know if they're a finals team, but they could certainly beat the Sixers again if we combust on ourselves again. Or maybe they, they could beat the Heat, I think. Yeah, in the East, also, there's a Giannis, a Tatum, a Butler. There's, like, these bigger wings. DeJounte Murray's not going to guard any of those guys, so I think you need that one more piece because, also, John Collins has been in trade rumors for, like, three years now, so I don't know what he's – I was going to ask you guys what's going to happen with him, but I think you need just that one more bigger guy because they could not guard Jimmy in last round. And then 
they're not going to be able to guard Giannis or Tatum when, I mean, DeJounte is just not, you know, a wing. So, and then they need one more piece like that. Trade John Collins. Clint Capella is good, but once the Rockets went to microball and they traded him, yeah, Clint Capella right. like, went from, like, this really underrated, like, young, like, lob threat to, like, that guy in Atlanta that took a step back. So, I don't know what his deal is, but I think they just need that one more piece. And they're definitely, Darren's points, they're making noise no matter what. They're Trey Young, you know, they're going to be good. Their offense, I think, is going to be good. I love Bogdanovich, too, like off the bench. That's great. He, he killed the Sixers in that series. Uh, I like the team a lot. Just it, The East is just more loaded like than I keep – I don't think it's as loaded. And once the playoffs said, I have, like, six teams I like. Yeah, it's it's really deep. Like, Cleveland's going to – Cleveland's another team. I think they'll make a jump. So, we'll have to see. But I definitely think the Hawks will at least compete. So just to shift off the trades, kind of get into more of the free agency signings to wrap up here. I wanted to briefly touch on these Supermax contracts. Just, you know, Beal got the Supermax from the Wizards. He took the payday. Whether whether you think that's because he thinks he can win in the Wizards, whether he wants the payday, but he's going to ask for a trade. At the end of the day, he got that Supermax, and we've seen Wall, his former teammate, get it. We've seen Westbrook get it. Do you guys think, you know, Curry, I think, is the one guy who it's obviously worked out great for. Do you think these supermaxes that pay these players so much money of the salary cap, do you think they're more harmful or helpful for these teams? Because obviously they're great for the player and their paychecks. But, you know, Towns just signed one as well, and we were touching on Minnesota. Like, yes, Towns is good, but, you know, are they ever really going to win a championship? Like, do you guys think it's worth it for these teams to hand out these supermaxes? I think they were a good idea, but now we see that they handcuff teams more than they help them because it was meant for a team like Oklahoma City to like, like, hey, we'll offer you more money than anyone else can give you. Air Anthony Davis and Pelicans, you know, they could offer them that supermax. Mm-hmm. However, I think two things. One, if a player really wants to leave that small market team, you know, they're just going to leave and go to the Lakers because, and then a guy like Towns, he's not worth supermax money. I think if they could only give him the normal max, they could. Save money on that, but if that's available, Towns is going to want the Supermax, obviously. Right. Exactly. So now they, think, they feel like they have to give it to him when I don't think you should be paying both centers that much that they're paying when neither one of them seem to be that great in the playoffs anyway. So uh, I think it's more so like the team has to pay these guys Supermaxes that wouldn't be getting, that should not be getting Supermaxes. It's worth it for the bigger guys, but these fringe guys that now just get it, I think it makes the team feel like now they're stuck with the guy rather than, you know, right. Tyson. Just say. Right. No, I agree with that. And I don't want to see it move into something where it's like, they're just handing it out just because I, I, re- I really don't like when that happens. And I, I do think it's a good idea for the teams and it could be helpful when used right, you know, in the, in the instance of, of Steph Curry, but mm-hmm. I feel like you really got to hand pick and really curate to the guys that, really deserve it you can't just be handing stuff like this out you know what i mean yeah i I agree with you and i should also mention you know we're kind of pointing out beal and towns guys people might not consider worthy of it but john booker also got it and you know i think people are obviously less critical of those contracts but my thing is i i love your point that like you know the supermax we don't want just any old all nba all-star guy to get it but i think that's almost like what the original purpose was is like oh, wow, uh, Gordon Hayward got a max contract. Everyone's getting the max these days. Or uh, actually a better one, Otto Porter got the max. Like, anyone gets the, the max these days. And they're like, let's make the super max so these superstars have their own version of the contract. 
But then now it's just not only are more guys than probably should be getting $50 million getting it, but it also, if in the case of a John Wall, who had serious injury problems, that hamstrung both the Wizards and the Rockets for a number of years. And Westbrook, you know, Westbrook was traded for John Wall because he was the only guy who could be traded for, for that salary. So I agree. I think it's caused more problems. The only solution, like, I could think is, like, maybe maybe instead of All-NBA, maybe you have to make the first team All-NBA. Maybe that is how maybe. it works. But I don't know. Then I don't think the players – But then that, that becomes the kind of, like, up for debate almost. So. Say the players keep the fact that making All-NBA impacts their salary, so – Yes, right. Right. Well, I'm surprised players like that though, because like, I'm surprised the players union hasn't already like fought the supermax. Because if you're like, let's say, let's say Bam, I know Bam's. I don't think Bam was a free agent yet, but not, like, say he would say Bam was a free agent this year, and you know mm-hmm. Towns got all NBA over him, and now Bam just lost forty million dollars or twenty million dollars, whatever it is. I'm surprised the players are pro Supermax, and maybe they aren't. Maybe this is going to come up in the future in in uh, the CBA, but I don't know. It's it's interesting. What's the alternative though? Because it's like with that, it's weird. It's like, so are you saying that I don't know if every team would be able to give out that extra bonus for making the All NBA? I look at it more as a bonus as a than a subtraction. It's more like, oh, because you made this, you get extra. Not because you missed it, you missed out on the money. Because it's more so like a reward, but. Yeah, I guess it's more of like the opportunity, whatever it is. Like you're you're not getting it, then you could have if you got it. But it's more so like for LeBron James or like those guys. It's weird, but I don't know what the alternative is because you can't give every single guy have that opportunity. I think it was meant to help, and it's only caused more issues where some guys probably should get it and others don't. But it's weird. But I know what you're saying. I get the idea of it. I do, but I, I really do think it's just going to turn into they're just handing it out eventually. And I don't want to see it get like that. I, I want to see it to be in, used for its intended purpose. Yeah. I, I would just, just, you, you made an NFL comparison earlier. I'm going to make one now, like for Beal specifically, who had easily the worst year of his career since like, just from an efficiency standpoint, an impact standpoint last year, you know, he got hurt. He wasn't making the threes the same way when he was healthy. And, you know, if he's in the NFL, he'd be like, forced to take a one-year deal but in the nba yeah, exactly that's a great point actually and i'm not saying oh bill should suddenly be cast out just because he had a down year but all of a sudden he's going to be making 50 million dollars no yeah that is a that is a really good point actually yeah i just think you know in the nfl it's i think it's too harsh because i'll you'll see these guys getting cut and they have no way to fight it when like a year ago they were a pro bowler but then the nba it's like you know, you can you can have a down year and still still be rewarded more than maybe you should. So I, I'm not really sure how they fix it, like you said, Chris. But yeah, I just think it's an interesting topic, and I'm not sure how they where they go with it. That's true. But wasn't the supermax? I think you're saying this. I think it was meant to like keep players on their team that they're drafted by, right? Because only they could offer the supermax. Yeah. With player movement now, I think that means nothing. Okay. Well, Aren't Wall, but I think Curry, Wall, and Westbrook were the first three to get it, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe LeBron as well. And, like, obviously that doesn't work out. a long-term deal, though. I think LeBron kept doing one-year deals, right? You're right. right? You're, right. You're correct. You're correct. Great point. Yeah. I so think – Wall and Westbrook it, were, like, the, the two the two architects for it. And look where that went. Yeah, Westbrook's been traded more than anyone. So I don't think, like, 
the player movement contracts mean nothing. Trades keep happening. I think it was a fail. I think good idea to limit player movement, keep people loyal. I think if you're going to be loyal, you're going to be loyal. Okay. I don't think Giannis or Jokic or Steph are like, I'm only staying here because of the Supermax. I think they're staying because they want to stay with the same team. Right. Like we just saw so, Dayton re up for two years. He didn't have to. He just, he, but he did. So, and I, I just want to shout out the Wizards for being the first team to have two Supermax players when most teams have never had one. So, shout out to the is Wizards. Is there really a positive shout out? Or a negative? Uh, I would say negative, but we'll see. I guess we'll see if Bradley Beal has a bounce back year, I guess, but I don't know. Okay, what? He averages 30 and they lose 60 games again? Hey, man, what if Johnny Davis is the steal of the draft? What if he comes in as, like, the next Magic Johnson? Well, then they'll give him a Supermax and he's going to get injured three <laughs> years for three years, okay? I don't the wizard, I don't know why they gave Beal that contract. I think that was ludicrous, but whatever. I agree. I agree. So let's just move to one last topic, a little more positive here. Just who do you guys think won free agency? Who do you guys, whether it's a signing or a series of moves, who, who sticks out the most to you? Who do you think improved the most? Well, I said it before earlier. I got to go with the Hawks again. I just think they they greatly improved their team with all the moves they made, and they did it at a relatively low cost. So, I think you know they they got obviously Dejounte Murray and some some great depth players, and that's all you can really ask for in off season. And sure. I think they'll be a lot better than they were this past year. So, I think they're definitely the most improved. Yeah, they're they're deep, man. I was saying it last year, but now I feel like. That depth is backed up, obviously. It's even more Murray. true now, yeah. Right, with Murray's star power, it's backed up more. What about you, Chris? Um, I think Darian's point, I think the Hawks upgraded the most, more than the Timberwolves, but in terms of who won, if, I, if I'm the Jazz, I'd be the most happy. They got rid of Rudy Gobert and are set for the next, like, 10 years of picks. Yeah. All right, and are the Timberwolves going to be that good in, like, five years? I mean, I don't really I'm think, big I mean, on Anthony Edwards, but maybe not. I love Anthony Edwards, but I'm not big on Talons or Gobert or D'Angelo yeah. Russell. So I don't think that team's going to be like the Heat where it's like their picks are in our 30s. I think their picks are going to make the teens. So if I'm the Jazz, I'm stoked. I now get decide to I trade Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks and get, you know, even more picks for the future and do a Thunder. And Danny Ainge with the Celtics, we saw him do a great rebuild. Yeah. Tatum Brown did it. He's done it before he could do it again. Like, they got. Like five or whatever, six equivalent picks and got rid of that salary for years. And they got good pieces around them. I think that was the best like team move that any team has made like of all free agency. I, I think I agree with you from like what was the best, like smartest move. I do agree. But just from which team got the most better from, I would say there's two. I think Boston, to be honest, like, Giannis is the only reason I'm still picking the Bucks as the East favorites, but as a as the deepest team, I think Boston's got it. Brogdon, I know he gets hurt a lot, but that guy, when he's healthy, we've seen he can point guard a team any day. Gallinari, he's coming off the bench now. Yeah, like that's a great that, bench point guard, right? For sure. If he stays healthy, like six man of the year is very in in range, mm-hmm. and he's not going to be one of those six men who's scoring 21 a game like Tyler Hero, but he can be like an Andre Iguodala type six man, just doing the small things but maybe scoring more than Iggy, but just he, he would be the ultimate team player. I think he's going to slot in there like a glove. Gallo, I've always liked Gallo. The guy can score. He's not the Maybe he's not a starter like he used to, but he's, he doesn't have to be. He's going to be backing up Tatum and give instant offense off the bench. And, you know, they got defenders on that team, so they don't got to worry about Gallo being that much of a defensive liability. 
So I think Boston, obviously. And then, I mean, I'm, I, we, we're, we're obviously a pro and beat podcast here. But the, the only reason I go against Jokic is because people say he's better than beat. I got nothing against Jokic. I think his team got a lot better. Bruce Brown's a guy I like a lot. I think he's a really good role player. And then I love the Barton and Morris for KCP and his Smith trade. I think KCP with Jamal Murray, throwing him in the way MPJ and Jokic, I think that's going to be a great fit. KCP is like, he's just, just like when the Lakers had him. He's just that one type of piece that is going to make all the difference, whether you might not realize at the beginning of the season, but just having him there instead of Will Barton, who I like, but isn't exactly an above average defender. I think KCP is like a B plus to A minus perimeter defensive player. And I think with MPJ and Murray coming back, Denver's going to be a lot better. Underrated signings and trades that I really liked. Maybe yeah. I'm just being biased, but I really like what the Sixers have done so far. For sure. You know, our biggest need, I think, going into this offseason was the bench. We really needed a bench because that kind of just killed us in the playoffs. And we went out and we traded for DeAnthony Melton. We got PJ Tucker. And we got Daniel House. I, I love those three signings. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a little biased, but I think oh, for sure. like, building a better bench is the right way to go. Of course. And I, I like those moves a lot, too. I like the Tucker signing. I disagree with the criticism of it because, yes, he's 37. But I think if he was good last year, no reason he can't be good next year. Exactly. And if, he, and if he's bad, we can trade him in the third year. So it's really a two-year deal, and then he's an expiring contract. Daniel House. You know, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. There's no reason to hate it. You know, could we have got maybe someone different? Maybe, but, you know, he's familiar with Daryl Morey and James Harden. We bring him in on pretty cheap money, and I think he's going to be better than Jordan Yang and Furkan Korkmaz, and at the very least, that's going to help. And, you know, I've talked about the Melton trade, but I like that a lot too. I think that's probably my favorite move we made because all we had to give up was Danny Green who's hurt and a first-round pick, and we get a guy who can play offense and defense. He's an 11-point scorer. He brings that energy on defense, and, yeah, like, he's going to help. All I want for us right now, I think we need a scoring type six man. You know, I think mm. Eric Gordon, I, his salary is big, but if we can somehow spin Ferk and Matisse just for Eric Gordon, I would do it. And at that point, I, I think it's complete for sure. Chris, what do you think of the Sixers as a non-biased fan? Uh, what, do, what do you make of our moves? Um, I know both of you guys are Sixers fans, so try to, you know, not – you know, trash PJ Tucker too hard, but I'm um, sorry. I watched the, him on the Bucks that hold playoffs, and I'm like, why are we acting like he's like Scotty Pippen or Kawhi when he's not? Okay, he Kevin Durant scored 49 on him. I know it's Kevin Durant, but Kevin Durant got like pretty limited in the Nets series or against the Celtics. So you know, I think PJ Tucker's a little overrated defensively, especially. I know last year at the Heat he was better. I just think he's overrated. I definitely think he's overpaid. And I know, it, I mean, you make a good point. You know, contracts mean nothing. You don't like them, you trade them. And then, you know, figure it out later. Buy them out or something. But uh, I like the Melton signing a lot. I do think George Niang, that's my boy. I like him more than Daniel House. Thank uh, Daniel Yang. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually like him a lot. But uh, House is fine. I don't think he's be playing, like, you know, whatever. But PJ, I think, was your biggest, like, signing of, like, oh, we got this free agent. I just... I don't like the number, but everyone in the NBA is paid more than what they think they should be paid, so whatever. But <laughs> I don't know. That one was just weird because it's like you save money on Harden, congrats, and then you get PJ overpriced, and it's like, well, you know, whatever. I think it, you guys kind of had to do it. I don't 
you guys are in a weird spot. I'm not looking at the Sixers as a title like contender, like even with the other guys, but you're definitely like you're not even in the middle. You're better than the middle, but you're not in that top tier. You're like honestly alone in this tier. Maybe you're like with the Heat in that tier. I don't I was think say, maybe we're with the Hawks, where the Hawks are kind of right, the Hawks this year with like Dejounte Heat and Sixers. Like, yeah, I don't think you're gonna make the finals, but you're better than you know most. So, uh, as a non-biased fan, uh, I like what you honestly saving money on Harden was. I think the best move for you guys more than anything. Yeah, shot him out. I was great. Yeah, like I, yeah, I don't think himself, he's a Sixer now. Well, whether he plays bad again or not, the fact that he even did that, shout out to Harden. You know, I know the TikTok comments were mad that I ranked him 38th, but I think he's going to have a bounce back year. It's just last year he had a bad season, but guess what? He's bouncing back this year. He's going to lead the league in assists. Sixers are going to make a finals run while he's averaging an efficient 21, 7, and 10 a game, and Bede's going to be healthy. Tyrese is going to average 25 a game. P.J. Tucker's going to – Tyrese all-star seed and loathing. Yes. Tyrese making that part I'm not even like being sarcastic. Tyrese Maxey is going to be an all-star next year. Yeah. PJ is sure. going to hold Kevin to 42 a game and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a great series. Here's my thing about Tucker. Like everyone always says that like, Oh, PJ only held Durant to 40. That's not what, like we're not signing him to be like a Kevin Durant stopper. We're just signing him. So we don't, so we have, toughness like we had no toughness last year yeah we had like once the bench came in it just felt like there's just a bunch of bodies running around tucker definitely just gives you it like that drive whenever he comes here here, i got i got something you know what our bench unit's gonna be this year the kennel because we got a bunch of dogs now we Mm. got Paul, Mm. the anthony melton pj tucker we can throw him in there you know, like george yang can't defend anyone but he's feisty he's got the philly attitude I feel like I like him more than you guys. I'm not even a Sixers guy, but I love George Nang. That's my. I mean, boy. when he went uh, over George Nang is awesome. When he went zero for <laughs> seven in like two straight games from three, I kind of uh, didn't like him as much. But he, I like his attitude. He brings the he brings the energy. You know, when PJ Tucker didn't score a point for like twenty games in a row, it was kind of low on him when he was with the Bucks. But you know, besides <laughs> that, he was great. But he just didn't score for like a whole oh, playoff run. He likes partying with Harden. He he he's Harden's drive home. Like, He's literally his Uber ride home and his bodyguard when they go out. Yeah, yeah. actually, okay. Tyrese is Tyrese is the ride home. Oh, they put down Jaden Springer. Either way. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> actually, the Sixers are a little looking like Rockets. See, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, I know, I know, but that's a that could be a great thing or a terrible thing. We're gonna find yeah, like out. It. We're gonna I find like out it. next year. I'm excited. See now, now we're talking Sixers. This is what the, we should have led with. This. This is what the people want. <laughs> Sixers, baby. Finals trip incoming. What do you say? 2032 Sixers finals. 2023. Flip those numbers. Flip those numbers <laughs> around. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of Trust the Podcast. Ending on a good note there. Thanks to Darian and Chris for hopping on today. A lot of fun. I'm sure we're going to be talking about plenty more NBA stories as the summer continues and the season begins next fall. Make sure to follow us, obviously, here on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Check out the TikTok. Defend me. On my Sixers takes in the comments. I know most of y'all listening to the actual pod are Sixers fans. We got these Jokic stands coming. The Go Bear stands are in the comments. They're attacking me. I need some reinforcements. Go follow the TikTok. Trust the podcast. Logo is just a TTP, blue and red. It's great stuff. So thanks for listening, guys. Have a great rest of your day. And hopefully the Sixers maybe make an Eric Gordon trade. We can talk about one more move to cement this team. So thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day.